Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, August 6th. It is finally upon us, the first Masters Premier Mandatory event of the summer hardcourt season at the Rogers Cup. The men are in Montreal. The women are in Toronto. Tennis is everywhere. We've got that going on this week. We've also got an incredible challenger going on in Actos, California. Stevie Johnson making only his second return to the challenger tour since the start of the 2015 season. So there's a ton of things we want to cover on today's mini break podcast. Joining me to talk about all of it, we have not podcasted together in a while. And in honor of him making his return, I thought I'd give him a new entrance. Matt's on decks, Stokowiak on ice. We can talk tennis all night, and baby, you can pod whenever you like. Matt Stokowiak, <laughs> welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast. I missed you, buddy. Thanks, man. That Hey, that was pretty good. You know what? <laughs> if I'm going to come back like that, that's a great way to come back, man. Uh, it's It's been far too long, hasn't it? I've been playing so much tennis recently that introducing you as a four-star recruit would just make me feel even worse about the current state of my tennis game. So I was like, I need to veer a little bit differently. But yes, it has been way too long. And so much has transpired, particularly given that last weekend we had a next-gen semifinal at, uh, I believe it was, or not last weekend, two weekends ago in Atlanta when it was Dimenauer versus Opelka, Fritz versus Nori. I mean, that's the sort of stuff you and I started this, you know, when we started this podcast, that's our go-to topic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the U.S. Open Hardcourt Series, man, always one of my favorite times of year. We get good matches. The next-gen guys are looking good, Um, you know, and we've got more to come. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about over the next couple of months. I asked this question to Jamie yesterday, and I'll start today's podcast with you as well uh, with a similar topic. I saw Matt Zemek, friend of obviously the mini break and all of us here at Cracked Rackets, uh, mention this today. And he said, you know, the start of the Rogers Cup as a tournament, it's really a resetting in the tennis calendar. It is, you know, that last portion of the season if you are a top 50 player trying to make a push or in the top 100 trying to make the push to stay in the top 100. This portion of the year qualifying into the bigger events, having the opportunity to accumulate a bunch of points for yourself. It really does, to me, it feel like at least serve as a resetting of the tennis calendar. So I guess I'm saying I agree with with Matt Zemek's perspective as a fellow Matt. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't know how many... We have two Masters uh, 1000s before the U.S. Open here, and then, you know, we're going to have one after, one or two after uh, the Open as well. So tons of points at stake. I mean, like you mentioned, guys, you know, if they haven't had that great of a year so far, well, guess what, man? I mean, there's lots of time left. If they play well this last stretch of the year, that ranking can shoot way up, and, you know, it's going to be all good. So, yeah, no, really – I mean, it may be technically past the halfway point or, you know, whatever we want to call it. But, yeah, man, so many points are at stake. This is it's all good stuff. So completely agree with Matt there. This is an early preview of what we'll be talking about. But for a guy like Denis Shapovalov, who has had a miserable first half of 2019 or, you know, two thirds, whatever mark we're at. For him to get the first round win he did today over Herbert in straight sets, or I think it was straight sets, in that comfortable fashion, I mean, it was a level of tennis we haven't seen from him, and it feels like, you know, three, four months, so this sort of event where he's made a semifinal here before would be the perfect place for him to reset his year, do well here, maybe, you know, 
ensure himself a place in that Cincinnati draw, head into the U.S. Open with some momentum and close out his season strong. You also look at it for him if he can accumulate enough points, secure himself a spot in that top eight for the next-gen finals. He's still young enough to where he could get a little confidence boost at the end of the season and come into 2020, which is crazy, by the way, that the 2020 season is next year, uh, but with some momentum on his back. And again, before we get into all of the Rogers Cup action, talking about Denis Shapovalov has me thinking about the next-gen top 10 ATP uh, 20, uh, seasons of 2019 Great Shot podcast I did with Max Rothman, which listeners, you should go check that out if you want to hear the WTA version that I did with Matt Zemeck. Go listen to that as well. So a little bit of plugging. Apologies for that. But before we get into it, that was a topic uh, Max and I talked about, and I'm just curious on your thoughts, Matt. We mentioned Tsitsipas, FAA, Medvedev, kind of unimpeachable in those top three spots. But then, you know, four down, it really starts to become ambiguous. Uh, I guess even before we get into the City Open, are there any next-gen guys who maybe have been sliding under the radar, have had pretty good seasons that you could see making a jump in this, you know, final hardcore stretch of the year? Well, how about Taylor Fritz? Sure. Does he count? I well, mean, here, so here's the thing, and I'm glad you brought this up. We talked about it yesterday. Fritz, three finals at the 250 in his last three 250 events, three finals in his last three non-Grand Slam professional yeah. tournaments. It's definitely a jump, but I, I mean, so sure. When, when you say him, I guess what to, to you would qualify as a Fritz breakthrough or big jump at this point? It would have to be like fourth round of the U.S. Open, right? Yeah, I, that's fair. I would say that. And look, man, he's up to 25 in the world now, right? I believe. Mm-hmm. Live mm-hmm. rankings, he's, he's 25. So to me, that's that's a huge jump. I mean, from the beginning of the year, I know we had this debate, him or Tiafo, a couple months back. We discussed those two. And, you know, I was a little bit on the fence. I didn't really know which way to lean. But now, man, I mean, Taylor Fritz, these last couple of, you know, really the last month, uh, you know, leading into Wimbledon, um, and then the last few weeks here on the hard courts, I mean, he's he's been great. So that's a guy to me, I, he's not really under the radar uh, because he's he's all over the place. Like he's front and center. But I don't know, man. Like you mentioned, Sitsipas, Medvedev, I mean, FAA, those guys have been definitely, uh, you know, a step above. But for me, man, I've just been absolutely pumped at Fritz, what he's been able to do. And 25 right now, I mean, by the end of the year, if he's in that top 20, ooh, I mean, that's that's going to be a hell of a year for him, man. When you do a daily podcast, you end up repeating yourself. So listener, I apologize. Listeners, if you've heard this before, I apologize. But what we've learned in 2019, something we talked about coming into the season, the floor for Taylor Fritz week in, week out, probably just a little bit higher than Francis Tiafo at this point. And it's because his serve, his weapons from the ground, when he's playing his best tennis, he's going to control the match regardless of the opponent. Now that's at the 250 level. I'm not saying that at the Masters and Slam level yet. But for Francis, because there's so much slicing and dicing and disrupting the other player's rhythm, the opponents against him have opportunities to attack in ways they don't. You know, they have opportunities to sort of weather the Tiafo storm in ways they don't against Taylor Fritz, where it's just constant aggression. And yeah, I think that's definitely something we've seen play out throughout the season. But the guys I was really looking for, I was looking for like a Hubie Hercatch or like a Sasha Bublik reference here, maybe an ah. Il- Ilya Ivashka, who we saw ah. as a winner today. And I'll use that to transition into our conversation on the Rogers Cup. 
Uh, again, we're only going to be talking about the men's side today in Montreal. We will, of course, be talking about the women in Toronto later on in the week. Uh, but you look at the results, Matt, today, and not really many, if any, shocking results. I mean, you're looking through the score line. As I mentioned, Denis Shapovalov, who came into this tournament not in the best of form, a very comfortable 6-3-7-5 win over Pierre Hughes Airbear, who's really emerged as a, you know, a top 50 constant singles presence on the ATP Tour this season. Uh, we, we talked about it earlier, but Matt, how exciting was it to see this level of play from Shapovalov after what we mentioned has been a rough season from him? Yeah, it was great. He was fired up, man. That I mean, was he the was... thing. Yeah, it, we haven't seen that kind of energy from him in a long time. So for me, that was what I enjoyed the most. And, you know, he, he definitely played well. And let's be honest, Alex. I mean, this is when Shapovalov plays his best tennis every year, right around this yeah. time of the year. In the hard court season, this is his time. And so for me, this isn't a surprise. It starts in Montreal. He's at home. The fans support Um, I look for him to make a bit of a run here. I really do. I think he can do it. Um, He's always played well here. And, you know, leading into the U.S. Open, I think it's his best chance to do damage. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting him to turn his year around a little bit. It feels like so much of this last third of the hardcourt season is about just who has how much gas left in the tank. And it feels like guys like Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas, who have played millions of matches just because they're so young, so, you know, vigorous and just energetic and excited to be on tour week in, week out, they may have that sort of staying power. But for a guy like Shapovalov, a guy like Borna Chorch, who don't, you know, those sort of guys who don't have many matches, it feels like, under their belt this season— or even the Karen Kachnovs, guys who have struggled in first rounds of tournaments, they're going to be fresh. They have ammunition in the tank, and we've seen what all three of those guys have done on hardcourt surfaces before. I completely agree yep. with you. If I, we saw runs from a Shapovalov, or, and you know, for Shapovalov specifically, he comes into this event 15 and 16 on the year. You take out the quarterfinal he made in Miami. I think he also did decent at Indian Wells, and there's really not many other wins on his. Oh, resume in those are hardcore tournaments though by the way yeah. yeah exactly which is what it speaks to this is the sort of event that Denis Shapovalov on this surface at home that he you know he thrives in and so I agree with you I think this is a great opportunity for him and it wouldn't shock me at all if he makes a jump down this home stretch uh you know any thoughts on that or can we move uh, any thoughts on Air Bear Shapovalov or uh, anymore or can we move through the rest yeah, no, man. I think I think we hit on that. I did good performance from Dennis, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on him throughout the rest of this week. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you can't tell, not too many in-depth stat breakdowns. There's so many first-round matches. I think only two of them went to three sets, so really nothing crazy to talk about. But again, it's going to get better and better as this tournament progresses. You look at the seeds and how they perform today. Number 10 seed, Roberto Bautista Agut, a 6-3, 6-2 winner over Bernard Tomic. A number 13 seed, Nicholas Bastilashvili, a 3-6, 6-4, 6-4 winner over the Deuce, Dusan Lajevic. And Milos Raonic, the number 17 seed a 4-4 four and four winner over Luca Pui. I mean, of those seeded guys, any, anything about their performance today stand out to you or, you know, just more standard operating? I thought Rayonich today, uh, you know, he's a guy who always gets brought up because of the success he has had at majors compared to, it feels like, every other guy on tour. You know, we saw Rayonich in that Wimbledon final, I think it was 2016. When he serves big, home crowd for him, too. Like, people with Shapovalov, FAA, it's all, you know, that's the new hot sensation in Canadian tennis. But this is Rayonich's home event. 
Yeah, exactly, man. That's why this result, I mean, for him didn't surprise me. I think four and four is about standard operating procedure, like you said. I mean, he, you know, we, we, he's going to serve well. We know that, um, you know, sneaks out a couple of breaks, and, and that's really the match. So, yeah, nothing nothing too shocking there. Pui has not had a great year, uh, so that's that's not surprising. And then, yeah, no, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to pick Bernard Tomic to ever win a match. So <laughs> Bautista Goot winning that is is no shocker to me. I, I figured that would uh, go about, you know, the way that it did. And, yeah, Basilashvili, I mean, he's always a dangerous player, hits the, hits the crap out of the ball. So, um and a yeah, ton no. of po- a ton of points for him to defend after his run at the end of last season as well. So you know, I'm sure he's starting to feel that urgency. Yeah, for sure. So for him to get through that that match against uh, the Deuce, that's that's big for him. And uh, yeah, no good good matches there, but you know, nothing too out of the ordinary. So given that the past two years we've had an Australian Open semifinalist just flame out in the second half of the season. Last year, injuries related, but Hyun Chung, after following you know strong start to the year, makes a run at Indian Wells, Miami, and obviously that semifinal knocking off Djokovic at the Australian Open, he falls off. Luca Pui, it feels like he's caught Chung syndrome, like he just he can't buy a win outside of that Australian Open semifinal. Yeah, I know it's been tough for him, and I mean he's he's a talented guy. I mean he's one of those players that can really. When he's playing his best, he can do it all. He moves pretty well. He has solid groundies. He can serve well, return decent. I mean, he's kind of got a good all-around game. On but paper, just, yeah. On paper, yeah. It's just his his confidence isn't there right now. I mean, I, I don't think he feels, you know, stepping onto the court that his game is all there. And, I mean, if you don't have that confidence at this level, man, I mean, you're not going to win. So it's been a tough year for him, but he's still pretty young. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, next year in 2020 if he comes back and has a good year. Um, you know, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not going to write him off. It's just 2019 hasn't been the best for him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, then moving on to our next result, a guy who gets a much-needed win. You know, he had such a good clay season, but I think he's lost three straight first-round matches. Christian Guerin, a 6-2, 7-6 winner over Laszlo Jur. Again, Guerin, a guy, had all of his success on the clay, making a breakthrough this year. I think he won, what, two titles on the surface. So yep. for him to just get a win at a Masters event, huge for him to solidify his spot into the top 50, earn himself some points so he doesn't feel the pressure to defend that great run he had earlier in the year next season. Uh, Richard Gasquet, a 7-6-6-4 winner over Benoit Paire. Ilya Vashka, 7-6 over Sun Wu Kwan. Both guys uh, next-gen by my definitions. That was a fun match for me. Uh, Adrian Manorino, 4-4 four four over Kukushkin. Jan Leonard Struff, 2-2 two two over Songa. That was an unexpected blowout, but at the same time, I mean, Struff is playing big boy tennis right now. <laughs> Stroof, man, his name just always seems to pop up. Look, the bottom line is Stroof is, is very, very good. He's an awesome tennis player. He's just not consistent. And that's why we don't talk about him every single week. But it seems like we've been talking about him this year more than any other year because he's made pretty deep runs. He's taken out big-name players It's just, if he could ever string that together week after week after week after week, and I've said this before, but I mean, he's a top player because he has, he has weapons. Um, Yeah, the two and two scoreline over Songa was, was surprising to me. I didn't expect that. I'm not shocked that Struff won the match, but two and two is dominant and Songa had been playing well prior to this. So that's a bit of a shock, but 
that's that's what Struve can do, man. He he really can. He's got that ability. So. I mean, he he took it to Sanga. He made Sanga play defense, and that's never what Joe Wilfred Sanga wants to do. And yeah, for sure, right. you know, 113 and 135 in his career on ATP Tour matches, but 25 and 18 this season reached his career high of 33 at the start of July. Right now, sitting at 35 in the rankings. Yeah, yeah he's had he's had a fantastic season. Uh, look, he's won you know multiple Slam matches during the year. He's made a final. He I think he made that final in Stuttgart earlier in the year yep. uh, made I think round of 16 before losing to Djokovic at the French Open so good I, he beat Borna Chorch there third round if I remember correctly that great match versus Fritz that he won second round Wimbledon so yeah great season for the 28 20 oh 29 year old out of Germany uh, again for Songa wild card into this event obviously this is not prime Joe Wilfrid but he just yeah he he it, it's clear now if you can get him playing defense it's just it's not going to be the same attack it was obviously five years ago yeah no for sure there's no question about that I I'm not too worried about Sanga man I mean I think he's enjoying being out there you know at this stage of his career I think he still loves the competition and he's going to give it everything he has every week he's just not going to consistently be able to perform with these guys anymore he just he doesn't quite have the speed that he once did. You know, his levels dropped off a little bit. But, I mean, if he's playing well, he can definitely still compete. He had a couple good matches in Washington last week. I remember watching him. Uh, so, I mean, he'll be around for a little bit yet. He can put a scare into somebody. 20 bucks says you're going to have him in the third round of your U.S. Open bracket. I mean... You're just be like, well, he's the name. He's the name. Of course I'm going to take Sanga <laughs> over Hercatch. Sanga, he's been there before. He's done it. Hercatch, new thing. He's not going to be ready. I, I hear that pick coming from hey, you already. You know what? I, I, I'm not going to argue, but of course, we, we got to see the draw first. Well, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have a nice preview uh, pod for the U.S. Open. Yeah, exactly. Look, that'll be under new circumstances. A little tease for you listeners. But yes, we will certainly have a preview for the U.S. Open. I promise you that, Matt, and we will talk about it then. But a couple more matches to get through today. Uh, Three-set winner for Cam Norrie, who, again, has started off this hardcore season very well with that semifinal in Atlanta. Now get to win here over Martin Fuksovics, 5-7-6-2-6-3. I believe he now sets up a matchup with Alex Zverev, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Stan Wawrinka, a 6-4-6-4 winner over Grigor Dimitrov. And what was a pretty high-level match, and obviously for Dimitrov, he's now lost to Stan first round of Wimbledon last year first round of the U.S. Open last year I think it was what third round of French Open this year so it seems yep. like he keeps matching up with Stan so that's got to hurt ranking wise at the same time I would say neither of these players deserve to be seated at these tournaments and that's what happens when you, you just the, you can't sustain the excellence week in week out these are the sort of matchups you get yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I right now, I don't have any confidence in Grigor. I knew he wasn't going to win this match. Um, it was There was no doubt in my mind Stan was going to take this one. Four and four, yeah, that's about right. I mean, you know, I, Grigor, man, his, his mental game, I, I hate to say it, but it's just, it's the fact, it's the truth. He He's fragile mentally, and he shrinks in the moments where he's got to come up clutch and, and come up with the goods. He can't do it. I've watched him. Time after time after time this year towards the end of last year. We know the talent. I'm not going to talk about that. He's got all the talent in the world. I've long been a fan of him. I I mean, he's got the one-handed backhand. I have a one-handed backhand. I've always liked the player, but it's just – it's a tough going for him right now, man. So, um, yeah, no, it it is what it is. 
they're all so handsome, and uh, I think they're also, you know, Stevie's married, Alex Zero, I think, has a girlfriend. Not sure what's going on with Dimitrov, but you have to wonder, given, like, where their level of play is in their profession, just how they're performing. Steve Johnson, Grigor Dimitrov, Alex Zverev walk into the bar. Like, who's coming home with the girl at that point? The girl goes to Grigor first and is like, look, you're absurdly handsome. Like, I love you. Uh, word on the street is you play tennis pretty well. Like, what's your deal? And he's like, well... You know, I made a semifinal. I was baby fed, but like, <laughs> hasn't been that good to me this year. Um, so yeah, I just it's 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 very interesting. I guess that's a random hypothetical for you, but um, yeah, it's just tough sledding for Grigor because there were flashes. Again, there's always flashes. No one of can course. deny that Grigor Dimitrov is immensely talented. One of maybe the twenty to top ten most talented players yep. on tour when he's playing his best tennis. Yep. He just he cannot find that from a point by point stance right now. And he's changed coaches, he's changed hairdos, he's done all of these different things. And it's just, you know, he's what, twenty eight now, twenty seven? It's just there there's still plenty of time for a little late career renaissance. You just the way his form has shown, like you just have to keep wondering what if. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm I'm at the point with, with him where I just I have zero confidence in him until he shows me something different. I mean, over this entire year, it's been the same story over and over again with Grigor. And so until he shows me something different, I'm I'm just going to keep the same mindset and, uh, you know, not have any confidence that he can win matches when he needs to. I agree with you. And then our last match, a guy who certainly confidence has to be increasing after he qualifies for the City Open, uh, qualifies, I think, in Atlanta as well, or maybe came close to it. He wins, you know, a bunch of challengers in the French Open, in the run to, to the French Open, and gets a wild card. Tommy Paul, who qualifies here for this tournament in Montreal, knocks off wild card and former UNC All American Braden Schnur, 6 1 6 2. Part one, always fun to see two guys who have been on the Cracked Interviews podcast playing. So if you want to learn more about those guys, go check out those interviews. But two, and this will, we'll talk about this in a game we're going to play a little bit later, Matt, but. When healthy, you know, Tommy Paul belongs in the discussion of the Fritzes, Opelkas, Tiafos in terms of young American talented men who have already proven it at the ATP Tour level because when healthy, he keeps getting results like this. Yeah, I mean, he's got the talent to do it. I, obviously, we can't put him in their category yet because he hasn't shown that he has the ability to do it at the ATP sure, Tour sure, level. I mean, sure. he has in in spurts, but I mean— Counterpoint. Uh, Nate, okay. Let's uh, this just is be honest, right? Well, I no, mean, no, no. We... Tommy, sorry to cut you off, but Tommy Paul's run when he made, what was it, uh, Atlanta quarterfinals, then City Open round of 16. Well, yeah, I guess given that Fritz, Opelka, have, and Tiafo have all won ATP titles. You know what? I'm right. wrong. Hypothetical I... scratch. My bad. Right. Carry on. Yeah. So, that you know, that was basically – I mean, you made my point there. Look, yeah. he's got he's got the talent. He definitely does. He's just – he's got to stay healthy, and he's got to start finding it consistently. I mean, that's what Taylor Fritz is starting to figure out now is just how to consistently perform on the ATP Tour week in, week out. So this was an awesome result. I mean, Tommy TP comes through qualies, wins a couple of good matches in qualies. I mean, we're talking about Masters 1000 event here and he wins two good matches and then absolutely destroys Schnur, who's been playing well. Um, so that, you know, was not an easy match by any means, and he just, he rolled him. So it does go to show you the level that Tommy has when he's healthy and playing well. He can get, he can get his ranking up there, man. He's just, he's got to, he's got to show that he can do it. He's got to prove it. 
Look, I completely agree with you, and he'll get the chance to do this in his next round match, which leads me to my next part of the conversation. I want to quickly preview tomorrow's action. Uh, Matt, I, I don't know if you have the list in front of you, but what yep. matches tomorrow? Oh, perfect. I, always well prepared. Again, it's, that's why I love potting with you. Give me the three matches you are most looking forward to tomorrow. Well, Because there are some doozies. There really are. I mean, let me start with this one. I know you're going to like this one. This one, I'm sure, was at the top of your list. But Fritz Hercotch, right? Uh, My boy Hubie. Your boy Hubie. Look, and my boy Fritz. (laughs) Our boy Fritz, too. That's right. That's right. So, um, look, I'm looking for Taylor to keep up his good play in this one. I mean, Hubie's going to be tough. There's there's no doubt. He's a great player. I just – I think – if if Fritz isn't too fatigued that's coming off word. those, yeah, I, and that's the only thing that I'm worried about is he has gone deep the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He's made two finals in a row, so can he recover from that and and find the level that he's been playing at? If he can, I think he wins this match. Um, it, it, you know, if he's fatigued at all and is a step slow and his game is just a bit off. Uh, Hubie's going to take it, man, because, I mean, Hubie's got that level too, you know? You you beat me to it. It would not shock me if Hubie Hercatch gets the win tomorrow. And first no. of all, it wouldn't be shocker anyways because, uh, you know, Hubie Hercatch has been that good in 20, you know, one of my top 10 seasons in 2019. Uh, we've seen him beat Nishikori multiple times. But you said it, Fritz, and this is not anything I'm, you know, I'm not trying to disparage him in any way because he uh, makes the finals uh, in Atlanta. He makes the finals in Los Cabos. That's exactly what you want to do if you're him heading into and through uh, this U.S. Open and throughout this hard court summer. Uh, right. But he but he is gassed. And like there there wouldn't it wouldn't I wouldn't hate it if he loses first round this week, gets a week to rest, can reset the you know, reset what has obviously been a very high level of play for himself with a week of rest and practice, and then head into Cincinnati just as strong because number twenty five yeah. in the world, he's gonna have another very winnable first round match there. Yeah, no, that's well said, man. I mean, I completely agree. It's tough, right? Because you don't want to like... Yeah, I'm obviously... Well, I'm not rooting for anyone in this match because I love them both. But like what I'm saying is I don't think a first-round loss for Fritz would be the worst thing in the world. Right. Yeah, I agree. Looking at it from a broader perspective, I I completely agree. I mean, I I really do. Um, But, you know, it'll be interesting just to see what level he does bring to that match. And the other match that that I'm, I'm interested in... I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. I think it has the potential to be pretty good. Is Nori Zverev? Um, Ooh, yeah. Cam I mean, Nor- obviously on my list. Yeah, Cam Nori. You mentioned it already, man. He's been playing pretty good over the last, you know, however many weeks or so. So I, I, I Zverev. Uh, that could be an interesting match. I, I just, I don't really have too good of a sense which way that's gonna go I mean obviously on paper Zverev's gonna be the favorite like no question about it but I don't know man I mean we've seen Zverev have early losses but typically he does pretty well at the Masters but Nori's been playing good I don't know that's I just I think that's one to watch because I think that one could be highly entertaining so to uh your point of they've played three times before once in 2013 at a futures event in Canada Nori won six and three although in 2013 Zverev's what like 12 years old now yeah I don't count that 15 or 16 they played in 2014 Nori won two and three at a challenger but then they played this year in the semifinals of Acapulco Zverev wins seven six six three I just don't know if Nori has a weapon to hurt Zverev, especially right. on a hard court. 
Like I just feel like this match is perfect for Zverev because one, a lefty forehand into his backhand is not something he hates at all. True. If anything, he'll be happy about playing more backhands. But I just I don't think Nori's got a definitive weapon or a serve that is big enough to hurt someone as you know as high quality of Alex Zverev. And I'm not saying Cam Nori can't survive because he's gonna you know death by a million paper cuts the way he yanks you around a court right. and the way he's so complete. But yeah, I I think Zverev is definitely a favorite heading into this one. Yeah, he is. It's just, you know, what level does Vera bring? I mean, Nori, he's just, he's a tricky customer. I think there's going to be some lengthy rallies in this one. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, one shot, two shot points over. Zverev may try to play super aggressively and not get into those exchanges, but you know Nori, man. I mean, he is going to want those points to be extended and grinds Zverev down a little bit. So I think we're going to get some good points for sure. I completely agree with you. Well, then let me name one more great uh, spicy matchup, at least in my opinion, moving forward. Uh, Nick Kyrgios versus Kyle Edmund. Kyrgios, obviously, City Open champion. It'll be interesting to see how much he's got in the tank against Edmund. Uh, they've played once before. Kyrgios beat him 7-6-6, 7-6-3, but that was on outdoor grass. Uh, again, it's with Nick Kyrgios, it's now what? You know, we saw what you could do for right. one week. Can you stretch it over two? Another guy, though, who, given his mindset, if he loses this first-round match, gets a week off to relax before Cincinnati, I don't hate it for him either. I don't love it because it's not like he's played that much tennis this year either. Uh, I would love to see him, you know, if he ever wants to win a slam, you got to play two weeks of good tennis in a row. Um, but, it, again, it wouldn't shock me, and I wouldn't. it wouldn't be one of those, like, oh, typical Kyrgios flame out in the first round. you got to remember the context if he is to lose. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm gonna go. I'll go ahead and say it right now. I'm picking. I'm picking Kyle Edmund, <laughs> who um, finalist last week, though. Yeah, also I just. A little. I just think uh, Kyrgios. You know, we've never really seen him ever throughout his career string multiple weeks together. Um, you know, he has that good week every now and again. That's when he wins his tournaments. But I just think... I think it was end of 2017. Didn't he, like, win an event in China and then final one the next week? That was, like, it. That's, like, the the two-week stretch. Exactly. So I'm just... My expectation is that Kyle Edmund's going to come out and just play play a solid match, and Kyrgios is going to be a bit fatigued. He's not going to be interested in it. It's a first-round match. He just won a title. He's going to be feeling good. Um, He's going to want to take the week off. So give me Kyle Edmund. Yeah, that's fair. And then just to look quickly through the rest of the matches, we have Chilich Klon, uh, FAA versus Pospisil, Isner versus Thompson. It'll be interesting. Isner won in Newport, but you know, two early losses in his next two tournaments. Hasn't looked that good yet coming off of injury, but again, he's got time till the U.S. Open. Uh, Gofen versus Peya. Will be fun to watch Chorich take on a last week's semifinalist in Gojowitz. Uh, or maybe he was a finalist. No, I think he was a semifinalist uh, and lost yep. to Medvedev. Semis. Yeah, Basilashvili versus Struff. That'll be some big hitting. Dimenauer versus Evans. Would love to see Dimenauer win to get set up a second-round matchup with Rafa. Milman versus Lopez. Elbot Simone. Chechenato versus Schwartzman. It's going to be a very fun day of tennis, Matt. But that leads me... Uh, I want to talk about one other event, and then we'll get into our game, I promise. If, you know... Rogers Cup isn't enough tennis for you. If you don't have Tennis Channel and you need your tennis fix while you're sitting at your desk during work, livestream.com backslash ATP. You won't be able to hear the beautiful tones of Mication on the Challenger circuit, but you will be able to see what is a stacked draw this week in Aptos, California. Number one seed, Demir Zumher, who we saw in the top 50 earlier this year. Number two seed, Stevie Johnson, who, as I mentioned, making his only his second return to the Challenger Tour 
since the start of the 2015 season. I mean, you like Americans. We've got Eubanks, Kruger, Fratangelo, Giron, uh, just Michael Moe and J.C. Aragoni. All, all of our favorite cast of characters. A first-round matchup versus Ernest, Ernesto Escobedo, who won a challenger for the first time since 2017 a couple of weeks ago, versus last week Futures winner uh, Jensen Brooksby. So that'll be a fascinating first-round matchup. But Matt, the question I want to ask you about this draw, Stevie Johnson this season, you look at his record, uh, he's 10-18 and 18 on the year. has been really difficult for him to string together wins. As I mentioned, he's dropped down at number 93 in the singles rankings. Your thoughts on him playing a challenger event at this at this point? Because let's be honest, he didn't get into Montreal. He, he's probably not going to get into Cincinnati. Yeah, no, that's right. I, I like it. I absolutely love it. like it. Love it. I, I I love it. I think it's I think it's the right decision for him. He's had a poor year. There's no, I mean there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's been a bad year for Stevie J. And um yeah no it, when when he, you drop into the the 90s man I mean you're kind of forced to play some challengers. That's that's at the point where he is right now. So I I think he can gain some confidence if he gets some wins under his belt. We've seen guys before drop down to the challenger level, win matches and then come back to the tour and be successful. We've seen that happen many times. So I think it's it, it's an opportunity for him, gain some confidence back. I mean, what's the point? You know, I know he didn't get into Montreal, but, you know, let's just say he did. What's the point of going there and losing in the first round again? You know, your confidence is still in the dumps then. You know, you're not getting any points. It, it's just, it's kind of useless. So I think this is a great decision. Hopefully he can do well. Um, get some wins, and then when he gets that ranking up a little bit, he'll make his way back to the ATP Tour, and you know, hopefully he can, um, you know, get back to the level that we know he can play to. But you know, right now for him, this is the best decision for him. Look, I completely agree with everything you said there. I, I'm happy to see him, uh, you know, not be too proud to make this sort of decision because he really, you know, this is the sort of move you should make when you're, you know, slipping out of that top 100, need to gain some confidence, need to solidify yes. your ranking before the U.S. Open cutoffs come out, you know, make sure you're in that main draw. I'm totally in. And then, you know, just throughout the week there, a, a ton of fun matches. So again, we will be locked into that. But that being said, Matt, as we haven't had you on the show in a long time, there is one last thing I want to do with you, a fun segment you and I have been doing the past couple of times. We've podcasted together. We love to talk hypotheticals. We like to make predictions, some reckless speculation. So we will be playing another round of Possible or Alex, you're effing crazy. Uh, Westoff, if you could, give me a game show sound effect, please. So, Stokowiak, I broke this down in two ways. I've got Rogers Cup edition, and then I've got just some general moving forward through the hardcourt summer. Uh, you down to start with the uh, the Rogers Cup edition? Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm ready for this. Let's uh, go. First question to you, possible or Alex, you're effing crazy. With the USC men's tennis job opening up, Jamie McDonald is a candidate to become the next head coach. Oh, no, uh, that's you're... not. Yeah, that's not Rogers Cup. Whoopsies. That's not Rogers Cup, but I'm going to answer it. You're absolutely crazy. <laughs> Jamie, I love you, man. I, I am just <laughs> – that's that's hilarious, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I would – if Jamie becomes the new USC men's tennis coach – well, then I'm going to go be the assistant. <laughs> I mean, that's just – Dibs on volunteer. 
Absolutely. I mean, let's just run this whole staff. Why not? I mean, no, that's uh, that's good fun, Dude, man. He's been trying to get into the coaching game. All You're I'm right. saying is he, he's a qualified he candidate. You know what? You're crazy. It's not happening. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what could happen, and we'll stick on this possible or Alex, your effing crazy non Rogers Cup edition. Uh, Peter Smith, now that he's out at USC, would it shock you if he joins the Stevie Johnson coaching camp? Um, I mean, I guess if I need to answer that, I- I'd go with possible. Right? Um, I, I like that fit. I like yeah, it a lot. I, I don't think you're crazy for, for making that assumption. I think it's possible, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's likely. I mean, I'd be I'd be a little surprised if that actually did happen, but it, it, it's not a crazy thought. Okay, last coaching edition question, I, I swear. Uh, I'm going to name three candidates. Give me from least to most likely to take the USC job. And this is, again, the most reckless of speculations. I apologize uh, to anyone who's trying to take this as fact. It's not. It's just me <laughs> speculating. But Tony Bresky, Brian Boland, Luke Jensen, former Grand Slam champion, former USC Trojan All-American, uh, who coaches the New York Empire now in world team tennis, or Peter Lukasen, who's been working with the USTA guys, former USC player, worked with Ernesto. I think he's worked with Mackey, just a bunch of those California guys. Of those four, name list, least to most likely to take the USC job. Okay, the least likely, I think, would be Bolin. Luke, Je- Luke Jensen. I, no. no. Oh. <laughs> I'm Bolin's telling you, Bolin's not leaving. Bolin's, Bolin's not, not leaving. I know that. That's why. I mean, in and. Dude, I can tell you, Luke Jensen is not going to become the, the USC coach. No. Can I give so, you a counter? Can I give you a counter of why give I— Give me a counter. Okay, I'm sorry. So Luke Jensen and Bresky are one and two on my list, not to spoil. Um, I, I think just Jensen, if you watched World Team Tennis, this guy loves coaching. He loves the team environment. You could see how invested it was. You could even hear some of the audio of some of the words he was saying to his teammates, encouraging them, talking smack, doing all of the things you want out of your college coach. This is a guy who has college tennis coaching experience, having coached the Syracuse women's team, so he's done it before. A former USC All-American, USC great, so he's got that sort of pedigree. If you're the USC athletic director, if I mean, I don't know if Luke Jensen, if, you know, personal opportunity, I know he runs one of the clubs in New York and maybe financially it doesn't make sense. But if you like team coaching, which he really seemed to does, uh, seem to do, to do, to does, whatever, um, I feel like the USC job, is, there's no better opportunity than to take over that program at this time. Yeah, I just, I don't see it, man. I just don't see it at all. Hey, I mean... I don't know, man. I, I, let's put it this way. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he was the next head coach at USC. I think I just made I think, the pitch for him, though, to the USC. I mean, I, th- I, I think you did, but I think we can both agree on this, Alex, that Tony Bresky would be the best candidate. and He'd be most likely, number I, one like, on the I list. Could, I, am I wrong? And all, I, I'm a huge fan of Coach Bresky, but Wake Forest, they had their incredible run, right? These past three years, that's about as good as it gets for a program. Being the one seed, losing quarterfinals, winning you know national indoors and winning uh, the outdoors as well, then making the finals of both indoors and outdoors in a three-year span that's about as good as it gets in college tennis and now you know brusky has built wake forest into a powerhouse it's it doesn't get much better but you know the one program maybe in the entire country where it can get better than wake forest 
USC, where you win yep. four national titles in a row, and you have Steve Johnson doing his stuff to you know make solidify his case as the best NCAA player of all time. You want to go to a program with the highest of standards. That's yes. the place. Yes, I, I think it's the perfect opportunity. I think if I was the AD at USC, that would be my choice. That would be my top candidate. No question about it. That would be my top guy. If you want to win, you hire Tony Bresky. He wins. That's that's right. He wins. He's going to win, and that, that's the bottom line. So, I mean, for me, I think he'd be number one. Um, if he does get offered the job, I think he should take it. I think he would take it for all those reasons that you mentioned. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I just, I don't know really too much. I'm not reading too much into it. I don't know what what the AD's thinking and if he's even going to offer him a job. But if he does, man, that that would be my guy. No question. We're way off topic, but I'm going to indulge this one for just a little bit because I like college coaching talk with you. I feel like this is a go-to topic for us. Um, Look, Bresky, I don't know why you'd leave Wake Forest. If you're, you know, money-wise, it would have to be a ridiculous offer. But you're looking around and there have been so many coaching openings. There are a couple other people who come to top of my John Roddick at UCF. Like, with all due respect to UCF, it just seems like three years in now, it's just not. You know, Orlando is not the big attraction that nope. it, it could be. And maybe John Roddick is still planting the seeds. I feel like he gets a new blue chip each and every year. But, like, for him to jump to USC, I feel like that's very plausible. Uh, I'm not talking from any base of knowledge, but for Mississippi State coach Matt Roberts, it's never going to be as good as it was with the Nuno and Fantastic Four crew. So, like, if you can jump ship now, go to USC. If that's an offer, I feel like you have to go there. Uh, Ty Tucker's never leaving Ohio State, not ever. Uh, You know, Pedroso just got to Virginia, as I mentioned. I don't think Bolin leaves Baylor under any circumstances. I don't think Billy Martin, he's at his home school already. He doesn't leave UCLA under any circumstances. That's why I think for USC, because it's just going to be so hard to go get a quality coach because a lot of the chips have already fallen. You go out of there with a Luke Jensen or a Peter Lucasen type, and Lucasen might be a little young, a little ripe for that sort of opportunity. Maybe even Chris Quinta, their assistant, I'm sure he's in the conversation. But sure. like, you bring in a Jensen type to sort of hold down the fort, keep the, what Peter Smith has built in place. Uh, I feel like that's like that to me. That that's a route that I just feel like makes so much sense. Maybe, but I'm telling you what, man. I mean, I'm going after Tony Bresky with everything but I got. Get, I'm, but like Wake Forest would be like, no, like we'll raise your pay. It do, it doesn't matter. I'll I'll raise your I'll raise the pay even more. Then it's true. It, it, I, it is USC. It's literally it's USC. USC. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't take that opportunity. He's well, done what he's needed to do at Wake. He's proven everything about his coaching abilities who he can recruit, the program that he can build at USC, man, you're just you're an absolute powerhouse. I feel like it's it's perfect for him. Well, Westoff, I'm going to need you to put the violin in here. And we're back. Um, look, sorry about that, but what, what were you saying? Yeah, no, I just, I feel like for, for Tony Bresky, it's just, it's a perfect opportunity for him, man. I mean, to go to a program like that, if he gets offered, it, I'll tell you what, man, if it was me, it would be tough to pass up. I agree. Look, if, again, he, it, this is not to disrespect Coach Bresky, but 
you've done everything you can at Wake. There's only yep. one left, you know, one other step that could be that challenging, and it's do that, but at USC. And it's like that's right. You, that's the place. And you know, Southern California. I'm I would never say this to Rothman's place, but you want to find talented tennis players. Just be based out of there. You don't need to go to Cyprus to find Petros Risokos. You can go to, you know, La Jolla or you can go to Rancho Cucamonga or whatever the freak <laughs> it's called there and find a talented tennis player. So, like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. All I'm saying, I will be, you know, glued to, to being, you know, hearing the rumors of who's attached to this job, who's interested and whatnot because it's a, it's a fascinating opening. Yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be interesting, man. All right. With that being said, Rogers Cup edition, and thank you for entertaining me. That felt really good to get off my chest. I had a big <laughs> USC coaching rant in me that I just hadn't been able to talk about. And I should say to our listeners, I will be going to Kalamazoo later this week with Chris Hallioris to visit his nephew and now Liberty assistant coach Trevor Fauché. You'll hear that on Cracked Interviews later this week. But I'll do some sniffing around. There will be more reporting later in the week on this USC story. And, Maddie, I may have to bring you back for that. So, listeners, stay tuned. But Rogers Cup edition of Possible or Alex, you're effing crazy. And we can roll through some of these. Number one to you, Maddie. Alex Dimenauer beats Daniel Evans tomorrow upsets Rafa in the second round and reaches the quarterfinal. Now you look in his section, he'd have to beat Evans, he'd have to beat Rafa, and then he'd have to beat the winner of probably either Goffin, Pea, or Jill Simone. Possible or you're effing crazy? God, man, that that's actually kind of tough because right? I, like I feel like it could potentially be possible, but at the same time, I, at the same time though, I just want to say you're crazy because Rafa's not losing. <laughs> Rafa's not losing. Well, so I'm Rafa, sorry. Rafa, defending champion. Rafa, obviously aware. There's no Djokovic. There's no Federer in this draw. Right. Rafa obviously hasn't played since Wimbledon. But, obviously, Rafa hasn't played since Wimbledon. Alex Stenauer just won a title in Atlanta, and he didn't play, you know, a top 10 player there, but he beat an Opelka, he beat a Fritz, he he got, you know, a lot of good looks at a lot of different things. He is well tailored to the hardcourt season, and you know what would be a nightmare to play in your first match back on hardcourt is a guy who makes a match as physical as Alex Dimenauer. Now, the counter to that is, you know, Rafa with how heavy he hits the ball. It's going to be over Alex Dimenauer's head. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it's look, it's not going to happen. I just it's it's interesting, though, because I mean, it is possible a little bit. I mean, it is possible, but it's let's let's be honest. It's not happening. Rob is winning that match. If they play 10 times, does Dimenauer win once? Mm, Yeah. Okay, that's all I need from you. I'll take that con- concession. We can. I move think on. He, I think he could win once. Yeah. yeah, I like it. All right, possible or Alex, you're effing crazy. Tommy Paul will upset Fabio Fognini in round two. And let me give you some context before you answer. Fabio Fognini has never advanced past the third round at the Canadian Open, uh, and the one time he made the third round was all the way back in 2007. Absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. I think that could happen. I mean. With Fabio, man, we, we we never really know what we're going to get. He can play great, but he's always that bit of a wild card. Tommy is in good form, man. He's playing well right now. I, I like what he's doing out there. I think he's got a good chance if he's, if he's playing at the level that he's been playing at. I, I would not be shocked if, if he beat Fabio Fognini. I mean, I, I just wouldn't. I think it's possible. I, I don't ask these questions unless I think they're possible. So obviously I agree with you. Yeah, perfectly said. Uh, I think we can move on from there. Peter Gojewicz, semifinalist last week, will upset Borna Chorich in round one. Possible or I'm crazy? Possible. It, it, look, I wouldn't pick it. I'm not picking it. Yeah, I'm gonna devastating pick. if true. 
devastating if true, but have we seen Chorich late? What's the last tournament? That's that what Boric... I'm saying. I, so I'll look I this mean, up as you as you talk. Uh, Borna Chorich. Yeah, he is. You know, I just feel like we haven't seen Borna Chorich in a little while. I'm a little nervous. So played played in Croatia, which happened after Wimbledon, but I believe it was on clay. Yeah, Lost two, six, yeah, two six six three one six to Caruso first round. Yeah, I mean, Chorich should win that match, but Gojo, man, I mean, he he's coming off that semifinal. Don't call run. him Gojo. We can't have a full discussion on USC, and then this is the Gojo. Well. <laughs> Whatever. Because, uh, <laughs> like, Borna Gojo's been doing really well on the challenger level. Like, I'd oh, talk that, about him, too. Uh, that's true. I mean, which which one's the real Gojo, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's probably Borna. <laughs> but... Which Gojo has a higher career ranking when it's all <laughs> said and done? Here's what I'll say. Do you see Borna Gojo ever making a City Open semifinal? No. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> so maybe Peter Gojowitz is Gojo. Right. I don't know, man. But no, I mean, look, I I, I would really hope that Chorich could get through that match. But I, I I can't say that you're crazy for thinking that might be upset alert. I just can't. I, th- I think it's definitely possible. I'll cry if it happens, but it's definitely possible. Um, yeah. All right. Next one, the person who emerges from the Tsitsipas, Fritz, Hercoc, first two-round grouping, and again, the winner, Fritz, Hercoc, plays Tsitsipas in that next round, will make the Rogers Cup semifinals in their section of the draw. Nishikori, RBA, Monfils, Schwartzman. Yeah, oh, possible. Possible. Is that just because you love the Tsitsipas pick, or do you think Fritz and or Hercoc are um, also capable of it? I'm thinking more along the lines of Fritz. Ooh. is is capable of it i i think you know unless he's just completely gassed and he's just done but if that's the case he's gonna lose to hubie yeah, that's true. um so uh, look i think sitsi pass can definitely do it i think fritz if he gets through that first round and shows that he's not too tired i mean it'll be tough to beat stefano sitsi but if he somehow would get through that match then who's to stop him right i mean if he beats hubie and sitsi back to back then I don't care about fatigue at that point. I'm just saying this guy's on a complete roll. He's feeling himself. He's super confident. Why can't he get to the semis? So, yeah, no, I definitely think that's possible. Whoever emerges out of there uh, goes all the way to the semis. I, I agree. Yeah. Well, then two more quick Rogers Cup one. The winner of Kiachnov and Stan and in their section of the draw, FAA, Pospisil, winner, Rayonich, Basilisvili, Struf, Nori, Zverev. But the winner of Warinka Kachnov will make the semifinals. Uh, you're crazy. I don't, I don't think it's happening. Really? Um, I, 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 you're taking Milos. I can feel it coming. Milos or, I mean, yeah, it's a, (laughs) I mean, it's a, that's a tough call, man. But I, my confidence level right now in Stan and Hatchinoff is just not really there. It's kind of low, to be honest. I mean, to make the semis, that's. That's a that's a tall order. I I mean, of course, I guess it's always possible, right? I mean, those guys have firepower. They could get hot. I mean, either one of those guys could, you know, kind of rip through the draw. But based off of what we've seen, I think you're kind of crazy for that one. Yeah. Um, uh, 
I love Karen Kachanoff, and I I've made this argument. Before. I mean, I do too. No, I, I'm just gonna say. Sorry to cut you off. I'll say it one more time. Hard courts, late summer. Who's the last most fit player on tour? He's automatically in the top of my mind of someone I nominate. So, like, I again, all of the reasons of why he, he you know, we we've already stated why right. a player like him is well positioned to make a push in this portion yeah. of the year. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I I, I, love I don't I disagree just, with I you. I love the floor. Like, you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, it's it's true. It's true. I mean, he's he's got the ability. It's just, ugh, like I. I want to see it. I yes, want to see it first. The thing is, so does Virov. So does Ray Onich. So, like, I, I get where you're coming from. Right. Given the levels right. of all of them. Yeah, I, I can see why you say it. But, all right, my last Rogers Cup-related one. Best potential second-round match. Team Shapovalov, Kyrgios Medvedev City Open Final rematch. Norris Virov, Kiachnov Wawrinka, Fritz or Hercatch versus Tsitsipas. Paul Fognini or Dimonauer Rafa. And the reason I wanted to list that all, that is a ton of next gen versus well established names for those fans out there who keep waiting for that change of changing of the guard. We're gonna see a lot of those chances this weekend. Or this week. Yeah, I mean did you say Sitsipas Fritz or I, the winner Yeah, the winner of Fritz Hercash Sitsipas. I think it's equally entertaining. Uh Eh, not Don't for me. This Hubie like that. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Look, uh, Hubie. I like Hubie. I just don't love Hubie. I. I don't know, man. If it's Fritz and Sitsipas, that to me is right at the top of that. Like, I really want to see that. Also, Rafa Demonor, man. I mean, I'm if, all in on that. I'm also I'm all, all in, in on that on... one too. I... The dark horse pick of this group is. Paul Fognini, because when Tommy Paul does his thing, like with the way uh, Fognini's a shot maker, it's going to be just a great contrast to tennis. Yeah, I mean, that's a wild card match, though. Like, that match yeah. could either be good or it could suck, honestly. Like, there, yeah. there's a yeah. chance that that match kind of sucks. So, I, I think that... Who does FAA play? Did you say FAA? is Pospisil, and then he'd have Rayonich. Rayonich automatically is disqualified from this yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's who, fair. Who's like, oh, you know who I want to watch today? Milos Rayonich. No one. Yeah. Not even the—with all due respect, we talked about it being his home tournament, but even the Canadians are right. Right. All right, you're going to lose to FAA, right, Milos? Like, please? Yeah, I mean, that. right, that's fair. So, the, I mean, the two that I really, really am looking forward to— Fritz, if he gets past Hubie against Sitsipas and and Dimonor Rafa, man, I mean, I those yeah. I will be tuned in. I'm all in on Dimonor Rafa. I think I picked Dimonor yeah. to upset him. Was that Ooh. this year's Australian Open? Did they oh. match up right? Yeah, they you did. did. Uh, third third round, right? Yeah, yeah. It was either the the Australian Open or the US Open. I mean, you it, gave I me think about it at the time. I did. Yeah. I did, and I told you not to pick that. I, I told you not to pick that match. I actually picked Rafa in four sets. I gave Demon a set, and he got and Rafa, <laughs> and he got blown out. So, I, you know, I, I remember. Yeah, I know you do, man. Yeah, I, know I you do, do a lot of extracurricular stuff, but I remember the bad losses, and yeah, that one did not feel good. All right, well, should we save the moving forward through the hardcore summer ones? Let me let me just give you a bit of a tease. I'm gonna save some of the other ones for later on, but yeah. we'll just do one of these remaining in the spirit of it being the Rogers Cup, in the spirit of it being, uh, you know in Canada or in Montreal. My final hypothetical to you, currently in the live rankings, Milos Raonic, 18th, 
FAA, 21. Shapovalov, number 35. You know, for Shapovalov, he beat FAA in the first round of the U.S. Open last year, so FAA really has a good chance to earn himself some points versus Rayonich, who's defending fourth-round points. With that context, my question to you, FAA ends up as the highest-ranked Canadian male singles player at the end of 2019. Would that at all shock you? Not at all. And Not at all. Would it, it shock you more if he does or if he doesn't? If he doesn't. Wow. Yep. I, I'm I'm expecting him to. Yeah, just because the point accumulation, because, I mean, here's the thing, though. Uh, okay, so let's assume FAA beats the now newly I have a one-handed backhand Vashik Pospisil uh, tomorrow <laughs> in play, and we don't even have to talk about that. But uh, let's say, you know, Rayonich is the favorite going into that match, right? I mean, technically, yeah, I, I guess. I, I mean, mean, who it, would you expect to win? I would probably lean Rayonich just because of the weapon he has with yeah, the serve. Right, I guess. I don't know, I don't know though, man. I hate picking against FAA. Like, the only times that I ever want to pick against FAA he's is if he's— if, Right. <laughs> the, the only times I ever want to pick against him are when he's playing the big three. Yeah, like, fair. other than— other than that, I, I want to pick him in almost every match. I really do. Yeah. I, I, so, look, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. He's the most, ex- you know, one of, if you know, Kyrgios is probably the most exciting ticket in tennis right now, but FAA is in the top five. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's so it, that's, no, it's, that's it's, my guy, man. I'm, I mean, I just, I hope, yeah, technically in Vegas, you know, if we're talking about it, the odds or whatever, sure, Milos is going to be that favorite, but... I don't know, man. I mean, I think, to be honest, I think it's really more of a coin flip, to be fair. Completely fair. Well, then I lied. Bonus question. We did Canadians. Let's do Americans. I had this on here, and we've talked about all of these guys. Two of Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka, Taylor Fritz, and Francis Tiafo will win at least one U.S. Open main draw match. Um, yes. Yes. And it's disappointing if they don't, right? It's disappointing if Dep- they don't. Unless they, they draw, they like, to. Federer or Djokovic. But, like, Tia- no, Fritz will be seated. Tiafo right seated. on the border. Right. Opelka and, could get a bad draw, but he, he's right. He Opelka. could. Right, that's the thing. Like, if he doesn't get one of the top, top seeds, I mean, I expect him to win a match. I think three out of those four. I'd say you said two out of four. Let's go for three out of four, man. Yeah. Three out of four is a good U.S. Open for that. Three out of four is what that's, – that's, that's what we need. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And for Taylor Fritz, I need a third round out of him. You're yes, seated. Yes. You're not. I like you are that good now, Taylor Fritz. You really yes. are. And so you, we've seen it. For I don't think he's lost a first round match at a major this year. It's like I just want to see that momentum keep rolling. Yeah, no, I th- I think he can do it. I really do. As long as he takes care of his body now over the next couple of weeks, we'll see how he does here in Montreal. He's going to have Cincinnati. Um, you know, then he'll have a week off. I'm not sure if he's signed up for Winston-Salem or not. If he is, he'll probably pull out um, and then have the U.S. Open. So as long as he's just smart about his tennis over the next few weeks, I, I think he can make a run at the Open. I do. He's been playing so good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to throw in one more bonus because I'm – you know, first podcast back. If you're the team world captain for the Labor Cup, do you still invite Jack Sock to be your doubles player? Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, yes, you do. Yeah, you're just you like do. I, I got to do I, it just just for doubles, strictly yeah. only for doubles. Yeah, yeah you're not. You I'd do. be like Jack. You're not sniffing a full court. 
Correct. But you can play every doubles match. <laughs> that's funny, man. That That's a good question. That's funny. I mean, yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, that's totally fair. I That's a guy that I do want on my – if I'm coaching, I want to put him out in the lineup for doubles. I just do. Yeah. No. But, I, but it, it, during the singles matches, he's not allowed in the facility. <laughs> he, so he's he'll have to stay at the hotel for the singles matches. Think, but. Jack, I got you a six-pack of the beer of your choice. Yeah. I recorded tonight's Bulls game. Like, just you're not – or tonight's right, – you're just, you're just you're not coming to the singles. Just, well, no, he's going to – or whichever one they play first. Do they play doubles first it and depends. then singles? I think it, it depends. depends. So if they play doubles first, he shows up, he plays his match, and then he has to leave. The thing is, if, he's a good chemistry guy, though. You're like, at the same time – I'd be like, you can come to the singles matches, but you can't bring your rackets. Ah, I don't know, man. Just or no box. tennis I, shoes. I don't like No it. tennis shoes. Because like, he wears like fun. A... <laughs> he is a fun fan. Like at the Labor Cup, when I was, you know, because I'm the body language doctor in the fa- in the stands, I'm like, all right, who's angry? Who's into this? I'm trying to see it all. And like Jack Sock was into it. He's standing. The yeah, whole but time. with the way that his season has gone this yeah, you year, don't want do you that think that he'd still have? Too. That's what I'm saying. But do you think he'd even have the same attitude yeah, this year as he's he did Jack last year? Sock. Like, what's gonna change <laughs> his mind? He deserves it too. He's a multiple time double slam champion. He's top ten in the world. He's a Paris Masters champion. He's now started, you know, a Madden cover like curse of if you win the Paris Masters, <laughs> you lose. You know, you have a rough start to your season. Just ask Karen Kachinov. Uh Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're Jack Sock, you're like, I'm coming you probably still think I'm the best player on the court no matter what the doubles <laughs> match is. Well, that's true. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. But speaking of Laver Cup, man, don't get me too excited. I, I'm, man, the Laver Cup. I, Dude, I haven't thought too much August. about that yet, but I'll be, I'll be ready for that. It's August. Like it I'm is going, August. You're I right. am going to Cincy next weekend, where I will ask Roger Federer the question that has been on my mind his entire career. Which you know, a little tease for you listeners. Make sure I get in that Fed press conference because <laughs> you'll enjoy it. Yeah, man, the Labor Cup, though, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that again. That was a blast last year, and I didn't even go. You got yeah, to go. It was sick. It was, it's special. It really is special. Um, but with that being said, we have blown, you know, it's clearly not a Jamie McDonald pod because we are over the hour mark, so I will wrap <laughs> things up here. Any final thoughts on the Rogers Cup on this week of play before we uh, wrap things up? I think we've hit it all, man. I mean, I, I, I really do. It's going to be fun. Obviously, it's Masters Thousand, so, I mean, these matches are just going to get better and better. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see who comes out at the end. I mean, I think... We'd have to say Rafa's a, you know, anytime one of the big threes in the tournament, they're going to be a favorite. I expect Rafa to get through, but there are so many other players, man, that that have the ability. So um, it's going to be a fun week. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who will be watching all week long and or, are, you know, on your ride to work, want to recap any of the action, check out this podcast, The Mini Break. Check out our other podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, where our Cracked Rackets team will be keeping you listeners up to date all week long on all things Rogers Cup, Aptos, just the general shenanigans of the tennis world because it really does never sleep. Be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Again, if you guys have any comments for us, uh, like, rate, subscribe, review, check 
check us out on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We want to hear from you. We, you know, we want to know your thoughts on what's going on. I, again, I still want to hear those top 10 next-gen lists from you guys because I, I'm always in for a good debate, as Tekoia can attest to. But before we wrap, obviously I have to give a shout-out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a of an editing job to do, as always, and keep us you know, on the down low, on the real, however the kids are saying it nowadays, keeping up all of the great work, keeping you guys uh, up to date with all of our content. But with that being said, for my incredible co-host Matt on deck, uh, Stokowiak on ice, we can pop tennis bottles all night and you can talk pod whatever you like. Matt Stokowiak for our super producers, Dan- uh, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff. And from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Stumbled through the ending, Maddie, but a great podcast as always. So what do we tell our listeners for the rest of the week? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.